and welcome to the My Hormones, My Health podcast. My name's Laura and I have PMDD. Come with me as I navigate my way through the highs, the lows and the lowers of all things relating to hormones and health. I can't promise that I'll have all the answers, but at the heart of everything I do, I'll be aiming to spread a message of hope that a life with hormone or health issues can be compatible with a life of joy. Welcome to episode eight of the My Hormones, My Health podcast. September is PCOS Awareness Month. PCOS stands for Polycystic Ovary Syndrome and according to the PCOS charity Verity, it affects millions of women and AFAB individuals in the UK and worldwide. It runs in families and if not properly managed, PCOS can lead to additional health problems in later life. There's currently no cure. Cystic ovaries are a symptom of PCOS, but not the cause, which isn't yet known despite it being first discovered in the 1930s. Other symptoms include irregular periods, reduced fertility, unwanted facial or body hair, hair loss, acne and difficulty losing weight. And unsurprisingly, PCOS can affect emotional well-being, often being linked to and causing depression, anxiety and body dysmorphia. It surprised me to hear that one in 10 people will have PCOS and it makes me think that there are probably lots of people who both you and I know who are affected by it. So I wanted to learn more about what living with polycystic ovary syndrome means. I reached out to Rachel, a midwife who was diagnosed with PCOS at the age of 19. Rachel agreed to come on the podcast because she believes that we should be talking more about conditions like PCOS, PMDD and other taboo subjects to pave the way for the next generation. So here's our chat. So thank you for joining me on this episode of the My Hormones, My Health podcast for PCOS Awareness Month. Should we start by just telling telling me a little bit about your experiences with PCOS? So symptoms when they started, that kind of thing. Yeah, so I was diagnosed when I was 19. So as a teenager, I had really absent periods, um, kind of one or two a year, um, and was kind of just repeatedly told, you're young, you're a teenager, things will settle down. Um, and then when I started my midwifery training, I kind of started to realize this isn't normal. Um, so I went to my GP again, um, and they sent me for a scan um, and did some blood tests. Um and my blood levels showed that my hormones really weren't the right way round. They didn't look how they should look. Um, and then on my scan showed that I had multiple cysts on both ovaries. So that was when I was diagnosed. And that was kind of all I got from the doctor. Just, there you go. There's a label. Um, come back to us when you want to have kids. Uh, in the meantime, you can go on the pill if that might help. Other than that, that's kind of all I got from them. So um, I did try lots of different pills. None of them agreed with me, um, made me feel horrendous in lots of different ways. Um, So after about two or three years of doing that, decided didn't want to do that anymore um, and was kind of just left to kind of figure it out by myself. Um, And then... I got married when I was 23 um, and because I'd just been told by every doctor I'd ever seen that it would be really, really hard for me to have children. um, We started trying to have kids straight away and thankfully never had any issues. Um, And we have three children, uh, never needed any help conceiving. 
Um, and then very much after that, you kind of told, well, you've got PCOS, but you've got kids. So it doesn't really matter anymore, does it? Um, whereas actually since then is when I've really realized that it's kind of having kids or not having kids is such a tiny part of it and that it affects your mood, your sleep, your energy. Um, I've had periods where my hair's fallen out and I've had ball patches all over my head. So it does just impact absolutely everything in a different way. And kind of 12 years in, I'm still trying to figure it out. Um, and you really don't get much from health professionals about it, really. Wow, that that's really surprised me. I think I always, I, I kind of know that there's a bit of a kind of female repro- reproductive health isn't, um, it's kind of, there's not enough knowledge about it. There's not enough information or awareness. I guess because I have PMDD, which affects people kind of, well, I think anyway, more psychologically. There's a, almost that mental health stigma as well. So I guess I kind of assume that reproductive issues and hormone issues that aren't necessarily relating to mental health, like PCOS, I don't know. I just assumed there would be more understanding and, and, and information available. But actually, it sounds like your experience there is very similar to the experiences of people who I've been speaking to with PMDD in that it's a kind of a case of get on with it and if you have any issues getting pregnant that's when it becomes maybe an issue for us is that yeah right yeah I think my experience has definitely been that the medical community when it comes to women's health especially hormonal issues be that PMDD or PCOS they're really only interested in helping us if it's a fertility issue and that seems to be where all the money's put it seems to be where all the research goes and kind of gives you an impression as a woman that actually that's your role. And once they've helped you fulfill that, then you need to just deal with whatever's kind of left. Um, and I mean, I've been to my GP for many different reasons. I mean, PCOS, as I said, it can affect your skin. So you can get really chronic acne. It can affect your mood. I've had periods of really low, really high. Um, my hair fell out for about a year. Um, and each time I've kind of gone to the doctor about it, it's just kind of been like, well, it kind of happens. Um, and there's that kind of feeling that you've just kind of got to educate yourself um, about all of these issues because the mainstream healthcare professions aren't really that interested. Um, even with something like PCOS that predisposes us to things like type 2 diabetes in the future. Um, and there's, because of those risks with PCOS, often there's kind of a set mantra. So if you go to a GP, you're told you need to lose weight, which is really hard to do when you have PCOS. Um, but actually, if you're, if you lose weight, it will be fine. Whereas as someone who's always been a normal weight, doctors haven't really known what to do with me um so it sounds like they've I shouldn't say this but I'm gonna say it. it sounds like they've had a bit of a cop out there so it's very easy to say oh it's it's your weight that's the issue and I guess that passes the ball back to the, the, the patient then doesn't it because it's kind of saying if you lose weight it'll be better you're responsible for this and yeah. actually they couldn't do that with you because you had a normal weight anyway but I don't know it just sounds like 
it's almost hard to believe that because I know that PCOS isn't that uncommon, is it? Is it one in 10 people? Have yeah, it's PCOS? really, really common. And a lot of people don't realize they have it. Because as someone who wasn't on birth control until I found out I had PCOS, um, I've had friends who have known I've had it, um, have been completely unaware that they've had it because they've been on birth control since they were 16. And then they come off it in their late 20s because they want to start a family. And suddenly, they realize that their cycles all messed up and they end up going for investigations and then they find out they have it. So I think even more women probably have it than realize because we mask all our own natural hormonal changes with things like contraception. So a lot of people find out they have it further down the line. I mean, I'm, I've got two sisters. Um, I found out I, I had it first. Um, my older sister, didn't find out about it until she was having fertility issues um and my younger sister because she knew what we had been through started to recognize it in herself but had to fight really really hard just to get a scan and some blood tests which did confirm that she has it as well so we all had really different roads to diagnosis different symptoms but all kind of have the same thing and that that says a lot really doesn't it about the kind of um the lack of um oh my gosh brain fog consistency there we go lack of yeah. consistency definitely and it must be quite scary as well if you're somebody who's experiencing symptoms like severe acne and then hair loss and you're, you're battling against your weight as well and you don't know why it is or maybe your your gp isn't really offering diagnosis that must be quite scary. And imagine for you, before you got diagnosis, you mentioned that you went to, to the doctor initially and they kind of said, meh, it's just, it's just hormones. Mm. That must have been quite isolating for you. Yeah, and I think, like, as a midwife doing my training, I think it really opened my eyes to the fact that we don't teach our young girls about what, hormones control their cycle how their cycle works we kind of get that 10 minute in science class an egg's released halfway through the cycle then you have a period then it all starts again and that's kind of all you get so we're not really empowering our like teenage next generations to be able to say actually this isn't normal and we shouldn't accept that this is happening to us um and it was only because i was learning about it at a much deeper level at university that it kind of made me think actually no this isn't normal and gave me the confidence to go back and say I know this isn't normal and it shouldn't be happening and I should be having more than two cycles a year um to do that and actually I think I'm really passionate about trying to educate younger generations of girls and even my friends who are now starting their own families I'm still really shocked at how little as women we know about our cycles and how they work and how much they control within our bodies. And the thing with PCOS is everyone thinks that it's all about your ovaries and that you have cysts on your ovaries, whereas actually it's such a more complex endocrine disorder. So it affects your insulin and how your body responds to insulin. You get something called insulin resistance, which is why it's really hard to lose weight. So that affects which is why we're at risk of type 2 diabetes later in life. 
Um, it affects our progesterone levels, our estrogen levels, it affects our testosterone levels, which is linked to the baldness. So it can affect so much. And yet it is kind of pinned down as a woman's ovarian issue um, rather than a whole body thing that actually needs a much more specialist approach. Whereas you kind of just get your label and get sent on your way. That's exactly what it sounds like. It's not an issue until it's a reproductive issue. But And the same with, I think, sex education at school. What I learned from sex education was don't have sex or you'll end up having a baby. And that was it. It was kind of like you didn't really learn like what was normal or what wasn't normal. You didn't learn kind of what to expect or anything like that. It was it was purely based on kind of reproduction, um, which does send out a really, really strong message, doesn't it, to, to young women. And you, you mentioned there about the um, type 2 diabetes and the risks there. And I understand that PCOS can have a wider impact on long-term health as well. And it sounds like that's something that's on your radar. Is, is there anything you can do to help protect your, your health and your well-being now to help you later on in life? So it's really important for people with PCOS to maintain their weight at a healthy level, which ironically is the hardest thing to do. Um, but that's kind of one of the really important things to reduce your risk of type 2 diabetes is keeping your weight down. Um, I find like regular exercise helps. Um, but for years, I would try and push myself into kind of high intensity exercise and absolutely hate it. Um and actually, the more research I've done into it, a lot of people with PCOS, we struggle with that high intensity exercise because of the way our hormones react to it. So I've kind of recently started walking a lot more, um, kind of walking at least three miles a day, just trying to um, and found that that's been much more beneficial for me because stress as well is really linked to our hormones. So the more stressed you are, the worse your hormone levels are going to be, the more confused they're going to be, the higher your cortisol levels are going to be, which all just feeds into a perfect storm. So trying to find ways to deal with your stress well. Um, So for me, those are the two main things that I found really important for me is maintaining my weight um, and trying to deal with my stress in as positive a way as possible. Um, But yeah, so it, it, there is so much out there. It's hard to kind of, I'm still learning about the things I need to do to try and protect my health in the long term. And it is still a little bit of a minefield. Yeah, I think it's it's just like, like you say, it's a melting pot, isn't it? Because if you're told that you have to um, kind of preserve good health and you have to be quite quite strict with weight management when that's really difficult, the easy thing to do is to beat yourself up if it doesn't quite go as you would want it to. Um, and and I was talking to um, another lady before, actually, and we were talking about the issue with kind of putting that pressure on yourself to, to eat well and to, to move more. Often it actually just results in us eating more and moving less yeah. because of the stress that then impacts us. Whereas something like walking, I totally relate to that. I love walking. Um, and I always say you might not always feel the benefit of a walk, but you feel the difference if you don't go. Yeah. From a you're not just from a weight management point of view, but more from a stress point of view. 
Um, I love the sun. I love the rain. Yeah. Um, but it has such a huge impact, doesn't it? Um, on both stress and, and weight management, it's it's really important, definitely. Yeah. And again, you've mentioned there about kind of the stress factor. We know that hormone conditions such as PCOS, PMDD, they can have a huge impact on emotional well-being. What's that been like for you then? So yeah, emotions have been a big thing. I think um, I used to feel quite jealous of people that had a normal cycle because they knew when it was coming. So they could say, oh, like I know I'm due on in a week, so I'm going to be off this week be that a little bit or be that the other extreme of something like PMDD they knew it was coming whereas um kind of before I had children my cycles could last up to six months um and you never quite knew what was coming um and you could wake up one morning and just feel horrendous that you didn't want to get out of bed that you just had no energy to do anything and it would just hit you out of nowhere and you wouldn't know if it was going to last a day or it was going to last a week. And then it could clear or it could not. Um, and I know that's something that when my husband and I got married, that was something that he really had to learn how to deal with because there was no predictability to it. Um, and kind of just as young girls aren't educated about it, men aren't educated about it as well. So it was a real learning curve for him about how like, that I wasn't just being really grumpy and staying in bed all day because I wanted to. Um, and those kind of highs and lows and just the unpredictability of it, just not knowing what was going to happen one week to the next, not being able to say, actually, I can plan not to do that on that week because I know I'm going to be on my period or um, just real unpredictable nature of it. Um I know me and my younger sister will sometimes just text and be like, I'm having one of those days. And we both have them and we never know when they're going to hit. Um, and since having children, my cycle has got more regular. So I kind of have what I kind of used to want, but my emotions are still quite extreme. So I do get that two weeks. I have quite painful ovulation. So I know when that's happened. Um, but then you know what's coming the next day with your kind of dip in your mood. So that's kind of got more extreme. So kind of I really noticed the difference pre-kids and then post-kids as to how the unpredictability of emotion pre-kids was really difficult to deal with. Now I have a bit more predictability, but the emotions have kind of got more intense um, and the changes and the fluctuations in that um, have got more intense. And and you mentioned there about, you know, you're having one of those days. What do you do when you're having one of those days? What's, what's, in an ideal world, what would you do? How would you spend those days? I think in an ideal world, I would probably stay in bed um, and hide from the world. Because I know that all someone has to do is look at me the wrong way. And I'll either collapse into a flood of tears or bite their head off. Um, and you don't want to be like that. You don't want to inflict yourself on other people when you think, actually, I'm not myself today. I can't control it. So I think I would just stay in bed. But um, unfortunately, with three kids and a job and everything else going on, it's quite rare that I can do that. Um, 
so then like you said there is that guilt that goes with I know I'm being like this and it's affecting other people and that's really difficult um and so I'm kind of trying to find ways to manage that when I do have to get out of bed um and kind of still on a journey with that I think um to try and figure out what works for me I think definitely the last few months walking has kind of been my thing and I, like you said I've really noticed it if I haven't been out um for a walk and so I will sometimes be sent out by my husband for a walk <laughs> um, in the evening or something like that um so yeah I'm still trying to figure out what works for me really um I have found things like aromatherapy quite useful um alongside things like walking okay it's it's really interesting what you said a minute ago about um I don't want to inflict myself upon other people and even though I totally relate to what you're saying there because it's probably something that I would even say myself my instinct then is to correct you and say you're not inflicting yourself it's it's your hormones and you've you've even said it's 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 not even me but we do don't we 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 feel guilty even though actually it's it's not our fault it's almost it isn't us it's just these dodgy hormones yeah. that are that making us behave like that yeah. but how does it inf- impact your relationships then apart from being sent out for war yeah. <laughs> yeah so I think it definitely Im- has had an impact on my relationship with my husband he's been amazing and he's really tried to learn as much as he can about it um and he does he is really really supportive but like you said he he even has to verbalize sometimes I know it's not you it's your hormones <laughs> um because of um kind of the change and I do I do feel for the kids as well when they're not really doing anything that bad but it just really I don't have the patience um at that moment in time um and kind of but trying to be quite real with them and just be like I'm sorry I'm not feeling very well I'm not feeling myself and as they get a little bit older that's getting a little bit easier to kind of communicate to them that we all have emotions that can make us say and do things that we don't really mean um and I think at work as well um work can be quite stressful um and there are some days where it doesn't bother me at all and there are other days where it's a real kind of battle to keep you cool um and not say the wrong thing or (laughs) annoy the wrong person um so yeah it definitely impacts the people around me um and kind of yeah in a way that a lot of people don't really understand I'm really grateful that I have like siblings with the same thing because that kind of helps you feel less like you're all on your own in it um yeah and I think things like this podcast and things like that are just so great at helping women know that we've all got hormones hardly any of them work in perfect harmony all the time um and that it's okay for us to be like that sometimes and we shouldn't apologize for it but we can find ways to help each other and help ourselves at the same time yeah love that it is isn't it it's about kind of like I said a minute ago it's it's not feeling guilty about it because it's not our fault but at the same time taking a bit of ownership to say you know I'm gonna help myself because by helping myself it's going to help other people 
And actually, if we all do that and we all talk about it and talk about what we're going through, that in itself is helping other people as well. Yeah. Um, so yeah, definitely agree with you on that. What support do you need then from those around you? Maybe I'm thinking work colleagues on on your hardest days. What kind of support do you need on those days? Yeah, I think I think even though I work in a female dominated environment with people who are experts in female anatomy, physiology, hormones, all of that, um, it's probably still not something I talk about a lot of work or that many people know about, which when I say that out loud makes me think that's really silly. But I think I have quite a good team at work um, and kind of just being able to say, actually, you know what, can you take this one? Because I'm just not, don't have the resilience today to kind of deal with whatever situation you've put in front of me um, and kind of, I've done that a few times recently and I think that I've kind of thought that was really the right thing to do um I think I need to do that a bit more kind of put your hands up and say you know what I can't today um and sometimes there's no one there to take it on but when there is someone there to actually be brave enough to say I just can you just take it on for me um but then I suppose I work in like almost the perfect environment to say I'm having hormone issues please help me but even for me, it's quite hard, even with lots of women, um, which I suppose says something about as women, how, what we're willing to share with each other. It's really interesting, isn't it, actually? And let, let's flip it over then. If if one of your colleagues came to you and said, Rachel, I'm really struggling. My hormones are up the wall today. Could you just take this case for me? How would you react to that? I think I'd be really honoured that they'd been honest with me um and really want to help like and I think like I would encourage anyone to say that but it's easy to uh, to, to tell other people yeah. to do something than institute yourself <laughs> but yeah definitely I would be just like that's really brave like probably braver than me um just to say be honest with each other about how we're doing well, you, I think you're pretty brave because you've come onto a podcast speaking to a pretty much a total stranger, sharing your story with whoever will listen to it. So I think that's definitely a tick in the bravery box, isn't it? So well done. As we kind of start to wrap up this this chat then, you've mentioned a lot about kind of education for young women and also the work that you do as a midwife. What do you think that we as women but also why does society need to do to to maybe help promote awareness of of awful things like PCOS PMDD taboo subjects like mental health what needs to be done I think we've got to start the conversation early so we've got to start talking to our daughters and in our schools and start talking just like we're starting to talk about mental health with kids and trying to get them to name their emotions and understand it's okay to struggle with your mental health. We need to start talking about all of that in relation to our bodies and our physical health, not kind of separating the two out because actually they're so completely linked. And actually, if we start telling young girls and boys that actually this is what anxiety is, this is what different mental health disorders are, and actually, they can be linked for girls. They can be linked to their hormones and 
girl's hormones affect this, this and this, rather than just a girl's hormones make her release an egg and make her shed her uterine lining. That's all they get at the moment. And we need to start opening the conversation up. So actually, by the time our boys are teenagers, they understand that maybe their friends that are girls are having a tough time because of what's going on in their bodies. And girls understand what's going on in boys' bodies and that actually we're raising a generation of people that understand why it's so linked. And then actually when those kids go on to become doctors or midwives or teachers or whatever, or just husbands and wives, that they understand how it's all linked with our physical as well as our mental health. I think that's the thing with PCOS specifically. It's so both at the same time it's a physical thing but a mental thing as well um and it kind of really clearly demonstrates how you have to look at the two together um and if we can start kind of educating boys and girls from a younger age about that conversation then we're just going to raise a generation of people that aren't so afraid to talk about it um and that for so long, women's health has been literally just thought of as fertility. And that is kind of what the medical model has always been, that it's about our ability to bear children or not bear children. Um, whereas actually, we need to broaden that so much into actually as women, we're, that's such a tiny portion of our existence. Like I've had PCOS 12 years I'll have it the day I die and I've only I've had three children so that's like a tiny little portion of my female hormone journey has been reproducing um and yet all everything is focused on that um and we need to just widen the scope of it and start talking about it much more openly um I think like my husband knows so much more about it now than he ever did um and he'll quite happily chat to it, chat about it. We were both quite open about it. Um, a lot of the men he is friends with wouldn't wouldn't be comfortable talking about anything like that. And he probably wouldn't if he hadn't been married to me. So I think it's just opening the conversation up and not being afraid to talk about it. I agree. And it's not just it's not just a women's issue. Yeah in the sense of you know there's going to it's going to affect people's lives in so many different ways whether it's somebody who's directly impacted it by it like such as yourself or maybe it's somebody that you know just noticing how it can affect people at work their relationships and have that wider impact on society is massive it's absolutely massive isn't it and it's certainly I think going back to reproductive health as well I always think that reproductive health it, it was very kind of physical physical kind of stuff whereas there needs to be more emphasis on the emotional impact of of puberty of hormonal changes in the body all of that because actually it's not just as simple as an egg gets released and and then you have a period it really (laughs) isn't there's so much more to it than that yeah so if there's anyone who's been listening to this this podcast today and they're thinking that maybe some of what you've described really resonates with them maybe they've got some symptoms of PCOS or maybe they just want to start a conversation with people at work about it what advice would you give to them Rachel? I think the power's in your hands you just got to educate yourself it's out there you've just got to work hard at finding it 
And I think for a long time, I kind of buried my head in the sand. And I thought, well, if the GP can't help me, no one can. Whereas actually, there's so much out there. um, And there's a lot of support groups for women with PCOS. There's a lot of different things to try. I think it's such a complex disorder that there are lots of different people that have set up different supplements, different diet plans, different exercise plans. And different things work for different people. So just see what you can find, um, educate yourself. It is all out there on the great big World Wide Web. Um, and kind of we've just got to take it into our own hands and seek out that information. And it is there. Just don't take what the medical establishment tells you that you don't have any options or any choices. Um, that there's people like you, me, all over the place. Um, and if, yeah, and start talking to it about to it to each other. I mean, I've had friends for a few years, and then we finally had a conversation, and we're like, "Oh no, I have that too." And you just think, "Why have we never talked about this?" Um, so yeah, just talk to each other, talk to your friends, talk to your mum, talk to your aunt. Like I didn't realise that a lot of the women in my family have something similar um, until I started asking about it. So just like open the conversation and try and seek out as much as you can because it is out there. We just need to find it and get better at connecting each other to it as women. That's really great advice. Thank you very much. I always knew that there would be parallels between PMDD and other hormone conditions such as PCOS, but I'm still surprised by how much I could relate to Rachel and her experiences, even though I don't have the same condition. It does make me wonder if lots of people listening feel the same. One positive I'm taking away from today is the solidarity between people who are experiencing these conditions and not feeling adequately supported or not feeling like they're able to tell their story or that they're being listened to. I'd like to thank PCOS charity Verity for supporting me in putting together this episode and I'd really recommend heading over to their website for more information about PCOS. Rachel also recommends healthypcos.com, which is a website aimed at helping people to manage a healthy lifestyle around the hormones. From the start, I've not wanted this to just be about PMDD. It's about all things relating to hormones and health, information, awareness, and most of all, hope. What I'm learning is that hope comes from hearing other people who struggle, but they do okay regardless. And I think it's time that we started to branch out So over the next few weeks, we'll be focusing on other topics, including health, hormones and relationships, menopause and mental health. So I hope you'll keep listening, keep learning and keep feeling inspired to live your life of hope. Thanks again for listening. Don't forget to share this episode with your friends, leave a review and subscribe to hear future episodes. You can get in touch by following My Hormones My Health on Instagram or by emailing me at hormonesandhealth at outlook.com.